This is episode 127 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. Now, I want you to think back to an experience you may have had where someone might have said in front of a congregation, we're living in the end of days. And really, we need to probably explain what that means from a Hebraic standpoint. So, what do you think we're going to do in this particular podcast? Hebrews! In exile, you know what we do. Let's go. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews in Exile. I have come to a forlorn conclusion based upon the evidence that has been presented before me, looking at this exiled nation of Hebrew Israelites that are dispersed into the four corners of the world. And while we sit before these mics each week and share with the people, our heart concerning our people, I have come to realize that this nation that's called Hebrew Israel in exile is a very, very large conglomerate of people all over the world. And in my mind, we have been focusing on a very small portion of that nation, such as uh, predominantly the black church. But the nation of Hebrew Israel is much larger than the black church. And with that in mind, and looking at the things that are going to be necessary for there to be a exile out of this diaspora, um, it ain't going to happen until more than likely the end of this age period. Sure. So now you ask a question and say, well, you know, when we talk about this age period, we have to talk about it within the framework of the book of Daniel. And the prophet Daniel has been admonished by the Most High to keep the information that the Most High has given him until the end. Mm -hmm. Now, let's kind of be a little specific with this. Let's, let's go to Daniel for a minute and be a little more specific with this. Daniel, where are you? There you are. And it's going to be in Daniel 12. 
Um, 12 and 4. Yeah. All right. Why can't I always find There it is, right there. Come down, right there. And to be specific with the text, the text says, but you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal up the book until the time of the end. Many will rush here and there as knowledge increases. So the question becomes one, when is the time of the end? And I think I've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it again. Um, the latter part of this text says many will rush here and there as knowledge increases knowledge increased in my opinion in 1985 with the opening of the world wide web so if knowledge increased in 1985 with the opening of the World Wide Web, that then speaks to the time of the end. But now then, the question becomes one, if that's the case, then once again, I have to go to Scripture, and Scripture says that a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Right. So if Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 opened up a day that's called the end, mm -hmm. then from 1985, counting forward from there, if we started in 1985, we'd, have, we'd start the day of the thousand years, we'd subtract the time that has already been expend, expended since 1985 to this particular year that we're living in. And we're looking at probably, without doing the math, another... I did it. Huh? I did it. It is? So, and the answer is? And the answer is, if you take 2023 and you 25. subtract... And you subtract... So, wait. 2085. Ooh. Oh, okay. Well, well, let me, let me, let me, sh let me, let me shut up and let this. I, I'm messing with somebody whose brain is much more efficient at math than mine. I don't know why I'm running my mouth. You have the mic. Let me shut up. Learn how to shut up, Robert. <laughs> so, um, if you take 2023 and you subtract. Uh, 1985 from it. That means that it's only 38 years since 1985 to where we are right now. 38 years off of a thousand is 962. So you got nine. If it, if it was a nine, if it was 1985, as you speculate, and you've got 962 years left in this day, in this dispensation of time. Now, let me interject something in here. I got to say something. That does not mean that in 962 some odd years that is left, that Hebrew Israel doesn't have the ability to get back into the land. 
We've seen this many times before, where Hebrew Israel, at least three times, they've been exiled out of the land, and they got right back in it. Been kicked out, got right back in it. When I hear you speak of end of days and what I hear in the text, that means that there's, that's it. After this dispensation of time of this thousand years, when we get into this and that the next dispensation of time, that's it. That's, that period's over with. We can still matriculate back into the land if we turn back to the ways of the Most High. That's just saying that this dispensation of time is going to be over in the next 962 years. Well, now that brings me to my point. That brings me to my point. My point is that understanding the mass population of Hebrew Israel that's dispersed all over the world and the knowledge that is germane for Hebrew Israel to be matriculate back into the land is predicated upon their understanding and their repentance and turning back to the Most High. Which I'm going to have to say, I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist in this particular issue. I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to this particular issue, because I look at the state that we're in right now, and while we are, I'm just sharing, I'm just, and again, I'm just being transparent and sharing my thoughts and being very, very cathartic. Based on where we are right now, it's going to be a long time. We're probably going to ride this thing all the way out. Well, that's, what, that's, that, that's my point. Yeah, because you, my would, point. you would think that, okay, we came over here, we got beaten to a pulp. You, you really opened my eyes to the fact that, say, just because it's a different year doesn't mean that the tactics have changed that we've had the atrocities that have been happening to us from since day one they just have there's not happening as frequently as they were before but they are happening and in the same way and i would actually uh go on to say that the only difference between now since uh we landed on plymouth rock and now is we aren't getting lynched and we're not being hung from trees but every other portion of it is still continuing to happen in some capacity the reason why I bring him to my full circle to my point, which is, is that because of the assimilation of the, at least I don't speak about westernized culture and the American Negro in, uh, in this dispensation of time, you've been assimilated into the nations. You're more and more accepted in the nations and more and more of us are trying to be like the nations. So, it's going to have to take a move like we had we had spoken before, like places like people up on the hill that are in sub, in the suburbs here that we're talking about. People that are a prominence like a Olstein or a, or a Jakes or a, or a, a, a Fudic. Those individuals that are in high prominence, Creflos of the world that are influencing people in order for this thing to change over there in that Christian church or the black church, if you will. Because of the fact that we are so accepting, it's different. Because this message would have been easier to, to teach when you were getting your butt kicked royally, where you were literally waiting and looking out your window to see whether or not you were going to get lynched or which church was going to get bombed next weekend. Even in Oakland here, in Northern California, with the Black Panther Party movement, that was started just as a defense for our people. But again, it's, it's easier to teach that 
then than it is now because people are not assimilated to it. People, people are not acquiescing to it because it's just so, we're so assimilated into this culture. Well, like how are you going to change the hearts and minds of people? How are you going to do it? How are you going to change melanated people in the United States? Let's just talk about us. Well, let's, let's hold, that, hold that point for a minute. Hold that point for a minute. We're not being lynched and we're not being burnt up and our children aren't being fed to alligators and we're not being thrown overboard for shark bait. That's not happening. But in certain places in the United States of America, uh, people are afraid and it's not a lynching that they're afraid of. Now it's guns. And the fact that the melanated man has a target on his back from the people of the nations. So, so while it's not a lynching, now it's just a plain, flat-out shooting or murder. I mean, lynching was murder in itself, but now you have guns in certain places in the United States of America. I mean, let's go back to the fact of the lady of the little of the little boy who just knocked on the door and he was at the wrong house and he just got shot. And the mother goes out to go see about what's going on and she gets shot. Because of a prophecy. That's prophecy to me. Okay. I mean, when you look at Devarim 28, they uh, talk about Go ahead. Well, I mean, I get that. I get that. But my, my point of discussion tonight is that, along with you, that you now acquiesce to, our time in this exile is going to be long. Very long. Very long. And getting back to your, your, your point about until the uh, major players in religion understand the gravity of what text is all about and start teaching scripture as opposed to uh, this I don't even know what to call it anymore it's not it's not teaching the people anything at all about the most high and his expectations it's entertainment oh yeah Absolutely. It has to be. It has to be. Now, getting back to my, my opening point, with the, and, and where you are, with the masses of the numbers of Hebrew Israelites that are in the world setting aside the black church in this nation, mm -hmm. just looking at uh, uh, Brazil, um, looking at the Caribbean, looking at the path from uh, across the Atlantic into the United States where many of the Hebrew Israelites have been dropped off and they have formulated uh, nations or colonies or whatever there. Those people, I don't think, have a clue. 
well, and I haven't been to Brazil. I haven't been to the Caribbean. But just in my mind, looking and thinking and seeing what I see and understanding the nature of the Most High's request, Israel, Teshuvah, repent, turn back to me and my teachings and my, and my ways and turn back to me as being your, your, your savior and no alien, no alien L. I mean, he asked us the question in Isaiah chapter 40 or 41, one of the two is in there. He asked, who do you compare with? Who do you compare to me? Who am I to be compared with? Mm. And then another, then another text he talked about no alien, no alien God was 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 here. So now he talks about alien gods. Well, that's kind of that's prophetic, because you know I I hate to keep harping on the guy, but he's alien. Oh yeah, for 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 certain, for certain. But you know, this is what I struggle with. In, in our plight, in this exile, in westernized culture, and in capitalism, upon which we live, to, I, I just honestly just don't, I mean, in, 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 in my hardest of hearts and in the, in the hubris of my mind, I, this idea of Hebrew Israel turning is going, again, is, to me is going to be a miracle that the Most High is going to have to orchestrate, because you're talking, I can only talk about the United States upon where I live because I am uh, deeply connected to the culture, pop culture, to the socioeconomic status that I have here, uh, to just what's going on in, the, in our community, period. And the issue that it is, is this. You are literally going to have to tear down westernized capitalism in order to make this work. And I don't see how westernized capitalism is going to allow that. How are you going to replace this guy who works under the auspices of a democracy? Because that's what it is. When you think about it, think, think about it this way. The major religion here is Christianity. When you come to the United States, they expect you to be a Christian. Okay? When you're here, it's built on, and that's why I say Christianity is perfect for the United States. Because in Christianity, you can, by democratic veto and vote, you can vote things in and vote things out. Need I go any further than everybody's acceptance of this day called Sunday being the day of rest? They have the liberty and the ability to change anything they want to by democratic, what's the word I'm looking for? Democratic, um, uh, Privilege or rule or a or, or rule of law. That's that's how they do it. And to turn that over to a theocratic deity called the Most High ain't gonna work. No, 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 no. You're 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 off. You're off. You're off track. Okay, I gotta hear this one. You are off track. Okay. Let's go back and let's look at Israel in Mitzrayim. 
Israel was in Mitzrayim under a the rule of a dictator, uh, Paro, the Paro of that time. He was the dictator. He okay. was the rule. Israel was subjected to the rule of Paro. The Most High deemed Israel's time in exile had come to an end. Therefore, he brought them a deliverer, Mashe. Mashe was the deliverer that was the catalyst that spoke to Paro and got Israel finally released from that that order of government. The Mosai says, I brought you out with a strong arm, strong hand. So, in these United States, and wherever Israel is, there has to be something that has not happened yet in this country or any other country where Hebrew Israel resides. That is, there is no cry for deliverance. And that's the key. So how was that different from what I was saying earlier? You said I was off. Well, because in the same instance, in the same example that you're using with Paro, Paro, under the influence of the Most High, was not going to let them go. And that's no, the same no. point that I'm trying to make. Westernized capitalism will not allow it. Yeah, it, yeah, will okay, not well, allow, it will not allow a replacement of its faction or, or its, its ideology with something else. Same with Paro. Moshe went to Paro and Paro said, no, I'm not. Matter of fact, I'm not going to let you go. And matter of fact, what I'm going to do is make it harder. Right, for right, you, right, so, right, right, right. So I'm gonna put yeah, make yeah. make a hard well, task we, we, for you. We're, we're on the same. We're on the same. We're on the same track. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to. We're say on the same that, track. That these folk here, like like you're saying, they don't even know what to cry out for. This is true. <laughs> That's why I'm saying until it happens in the mega churches out there, which that ain't gonna happen. This is true. Now. You know, we, we look at tax, and Israel, under the leadership of Paro, was sorely afflicted. Mm -hmm. But there was another piece to that that's critical to their being delivered, and that was that the Most High had told Father Abraham that his people, his offspring, would be in exile for. 430 years. years. Yeah. So he, he pinpointed a time frame. Yeah. This exile doesn't have a time, a designated time timetable right. by which the Most High has spoken. Correct. It only has 
as its reference an, something called the end of days. And the end of days is something that runs, in my mind, it runs from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 to, to the end of that thousand-year period. Mm -hmm. And any time within this thousand-year period, there can be, as you, as you indicated, there can be an exile, but the exile is going to be predicated upon Hebrew Israel deserving or coming to a point of repentance or a point where she cries out mm. so that the Most High can send the Deliverer yeah. to begin to speak to Israel's heart to get Israel to, to Teshuvah, repent, turn back to his mitzvahs and acknowledge him as being the 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 the, the, the king of kings. Oh yeah, the redeemer. So yeah. when we look at at uh, Isaiah chapter chapter forty three. And starting at verse 10. Well, Isaiah. I got to get more familiar with this. Isaiah. The abbreviations over here got me messed up. Isaiah, Isaiah. Second row. Second row. Isaiah. There he is. I, Samuel, excuse me. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Yeah, come it. on, come on. Come on, you can find it. There you go. I'm not Isaiah. That smart. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. 43 and 10. You young folk in this technology. So, okay. Isaiah 43 and 10 says, speaking to Israel, and in Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43 is part of a, um, a, it's part of, it's within the context of the prophets speaking about Israel's redemption. This is the, all of this from, from chapter 40 to the end of Isaiah 66 is all about Israel's redemption. And he looks, he says this, you are my witnesses, says Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you can know and trust me and understand that I am he. No God was produced before me, nor will any be after me. Period. Mm. That right there, that right there has to be a part of Hebrew Israel's thinking. I am he. No God was produced before me, nor will any be after me. Yes, I am Yahweh. Beside me, there is no deliverer. Beside me, there is no deliverer. This is text. Mm -hmm. I have declared, saved, and proclaimed, not some alien God among you. That's, 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 clear, that's clear as the nose on your face. And Hebrew Israel, what I'm saying is we're reading this text, and Hebrew Israel does not have a clue 
goes on to say, Therefore you are my witnesses, says Yahweh, I am El. Since days began, I have been He. No one can deliver from my hand when I act. Who can reverse it? Mm. Nobody. Here is what Yahweh, your Redeemer, the Holy One, the set-apart one of Israel says. Mm -hmm. so, so, so he's speaking. So now, once again, I go back to my opening statement. Our focus or our attention has been towards the Hebrew Israel's, Israelites in this nation that we live in. But Hebrew Israelites live all over the four corners of the earth. And Absolutely. they don't have a clue, none of them, not even the Christian church in America has a clue what the prophet Isaiah talks mm -hmm. about. They don't have a clue what the prophet Jeremiah who's talks about. They don't have a clue what Yoel is talking about, though Yoel is one of those books that they use all the time and they want to make reference, they want to preach from, but they don't have a clue what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Therefore, when I look at the circumstances and the situation, I realize that you and I are pontificating to a people that are present, yes, but if this media, if this media source that we're talking over, talking on, sustains itself down the line, perhaps, perhaps more of our people will pick it up and will turn. Now, there's another interesting aspect to this. Mm. And the other interesting aspect of this is that the Most High says, you, Israel, were the fewest of all the nations to whom I gave this Torah to. You were the fewest. You're not the greatest, you're the fewest. Mm -hmm. While there is a plethora of Hebrew Israelites, there is still, in the Most High's mind, and in my mind, there's only a remnant that's even going to be within anywhere in the ballpark, mm. that means that there is a plethora of Hebrew Israelites that are never going to see the light of day. Yeah. They are going to get, yeah. It's a reality of, you know, the nature of what it is, unfortunately. You know, and, and, this, and, the, and the interesting thing about all of this is, is that, how oh, we try, we try not to make this a religion because it's not a religion. Correct. Not it's a way of life. Right. And just because we, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. We go about teaching scripture in a manner that is church-like but it's not church. And just because we, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. What, what, how we do? What, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain 
this is not church and this the teaching is not churchy although the problem is we deliver it in a churchy in a churchy style a format and the only thing that i can think of to change that would be to absolutely abs well, what's churchy about it it's churchy well I'm, that's what i'm asking what, what, what's churchy about it <laughs> because the, everything that we're doing i would i would i would make the case that everything that we're doing is the same thing that our ancestors did when our ancestors got together first of all let's just run run it right down the line we observe the moedims and the festivals and we do what we can as a part of that we are all about that when we get together now the reason why i start there first is because the shabbat is a moedim you yeah. have to meet every single week. Yes. The Christian church has no reason to do that. There's nothing in the tomes of their text that says that you have to meet every single week. That's something that they picked up out of our, our text. text and applied it over there. So that's number one. So that's why I throw, so I start with the Moedims first. And in doing so, we, we fellowship. We do that. We teach the mitzvot. We go through what our ancestors went through and we make the correlations with the mitzvot. And if there's anything that's germane to the, to the, to the overall experience of, of church, one could say the worship. But even in our worship, what is that? That is just heightening your sense and awareness because we sing about the most high. We don't sing about the things that are germane to anything else. And that's what our ancestors did when they crossed over the, uh, the Sea of Suf, the Sea of Reeds to go and um, to escape uh, uh, Paro and then and the armies. They were led by Aharon, uh, his, his sister and, and, and Moshe, not Moshe, but Aharon, I mean his sister, Miriam, Miriam. And, and praise and worship. That's what we do. We exalt on cymbals and, and tambourines and lyres and you got musicians that are a part of us. That's what we do. Just because it follows the somewhat of a liturgy that says when we come in here we're going to have worship and then we're going to have a teaching okay well that's what our ancestors did and i would expect that when we get back into the land that there's going to be worship praises unto the most high hallelujah and there's going to be teaching so i challenge the idea that says we're churchy if anything i go back to my original statement i'm gonna be a hard taskmaster on this one church is trying to be like us because that's what we did. Period. When I give that dissertation, I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, when somebody comes to me and says, oh, you want to be a Jew? Excuse you? Why are you as a Ebir, as a Hebrew, you don't know who you are? I should be asking you, why do you want to be a Christian when you're a Hebrew? So same thing here. Church has copied the liturgy and format upon which the Most High has set things into place. And just because they've changed it and twisted it and came up with their own way of doing it, and it's popular, doesn't mean that they originated it. True worship started over there in, 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 in our covenant, in, our, in the Masoretic text, in the extra writings. And they just copied it over. So... For us, and this is the beautiful, beautiful part about it, is because as melanated people, we have a way of expressing ourselves that's different from anybody else. So if anything, like I said, I'm going back to my, to my statement. 
I don't necessarily see it as church. When we get together, we are literally trying to teach people about a lifestyle, about if you were in, you came to my country as I am an ambassador and emissary of the Most High and you were to come to my country, I'm educating you on how things work here. So when you don't, when you step into the United States, you got to take a test if you want to be a United States citizen. That means you have to learn the history, you have to learn the laws, you have to learn certain things that make you a functional citizen. And that's the same thing that we're doing here. That's why half the people are bored to tears because we remove that, that spirit of, of entertainment away and got back to foundational, traditional teaching that our ancestors did. I'm sorry, that was long-winded. No. That was that was that was fine. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. So thank you. But that was beautiful. Like, yeah, I like, mean, like I said, y'all, the more and more I get into the behavior of the Most High and the more and more I get into the behavior of our people, the more and more I see everybody taking our stuff, making it their own, and say, since you didn't know about it, since you lost your way about it, now it's ours. Just like with anything else. What did it say? Come on, get, get the verse for me. It's somewhere in 44. Uh, what is it? In Yeshayahu, Dan, one of those prophets says they took the surname. Oh, yeah. I think it's in Yeshayahu. Yeah, it's in Yeshayahu. Yeshayahu 44. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Not, yeah. not that I'm asking you to go get it, but I'm just saying you know it better than yeah. I do. But I'm saying, at least in that regard. Even yeah. the text talks about there's individuals that are going to come and take your name. Why wouldn't they take anything else? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in... Uh, 44 and 5. 44 and 5, yeah. One will say, I belong to Yahweh. Another will be called by the name of Yaakov, which is Israel. Mm -hmm. Yet another will write that he belongs to Yahweh and adopt the surname Yisrael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what's happening. Yeah. They've been using the Most High's name and all this other stuff and claiming it as their own and twisting it in a way that's really well, blasphemous. Well, I mean, you know, I... I I'm just looking at, I'm looking at reality, mm -hmm. and to put <laughs> to put a real spin on it, I was raised under the idea that the world could come to the end at the end tomorrow, and Jesus could come any time. Yeah, I mean, and, I was raised the same way too, and and, yeah. and that's and that's and that's the Christian theme. So they want to be saved in case the world ends and Jesus comes any time, and they don't get saved. That's that's the whole that's the whole the whole thing in a nutshell. I'm going to give you some some praise after you get done with this. And with that being the whole thing in the nutshell, which isn't real, mm -hmm. our people are locked on to that idea. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm listening to some of them as I talk to some of them, and a lot of them have come out of that mindset as 
one gentleman said to me the other day, he says, yeah, he says, people are enamored with this idea of some, some, some man up in, in the sky mm -hmm. controlling everything. He says, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Mm. And I says, yeah, I says, a lot of people don't subscribe to that. Mm -hmm. He says, I believe, he says, I believe in a, in the spirit that has created all things, mm -hmm. but that spirit is not a man. That's correct. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. And it, your accolade, were you, were you finished? Okay. Your accolade. I want to, again, I'm not going to let this go. As long as you are leading Ebir people, I'm going to keep reminding you this. There is a profound teaching that you did that has changed the way that I look at the world today. And I don't want you or anybody else to take this teaching lightly because it is so profound. Because in the text it says, in the last days it shall be like the days of Noah. And as you bring up that analogy, as, you, as you're speaking, we were brought up, that, like you were saying, we were brought up in a church that, you know, Jesus could come back at any time and, that, and that's, that's it. Well, okay, no, that, that, that's not it. That profound teaching that you, that you gave showed me that these individuals in Noah's day didn't give two squats about the most high or the mitzvot or getting back in the right standing. And they no, didn't care. They didn't care. What they, were, what they cared about was saving their own arse. <laughs> 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 Let me say that. They wanted to save not only, well, they wanted to save themselves. That's why the they only reason they were beating on the door. They wanted to save themselves from drowning. Right. It had nothing to do with turning back to the ways of the Most High. It had nothing to do with their adoration and love for the Most High. It was like, we see the impending danger that's coming, and we don't want to be a part of being drowned to death well, in it. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to I'm gonna go back to a time when I was a child. Okay. I think I may have been in grammar school. I think I was in grammar school. And um, we had all of these scary teachings about things <laughs> that were going on in the sky turning red and, and the, the moon. Right doing certain strange things. things. And I remember, yeah. I remember one day uh, I looked up in the sky and the sky was funny as hell. I mean, it was like, oh, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And um, I ran home and I told my parents, I want to be baptized. <laughs> I want to be saved. I don't want to die and go to hell. The sky is... Blah, 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 blah. I went through all those motions, mm -hmm. which was what, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm being born I, born, I was born into, into Pentecostalism, but as a child, I, 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 I didn't, you know, that's what scared the bejesus out of me mm -hmm. and caused me to want to become baptized mm. and get the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. 
because I didn't want to. I saw the I saw the sky and the sky was funny and I go, oh my God, Jesus is coming and I'm not saved and I got scared. See, that's what I'm saying. That the, that teaching was so cold blooded because it changed the whole entire paradigm of how we think about the Most High. It really it does. What is important to the Most High? Obedience to the edicts. And we're sitting here worried about whether or not. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I actually came to faith, too, because I remember I remember this is is as you're um, reminiscing. Um, for the same reason, if somebody had asked me, why did you get saved? And it was always because hell was real. Hell was real. And you're going to go to it. If you're not saved and you don't believe in this man, you'll never enter into heaven. That's the way it was explained. And I remember yes. going up there, giving my supposed life to Christ, and the preacher's hand was sweaty and everything, and he had just got done grunting and, and spitting and hoffing and cuffing and, and all over the place and delivered a sermon. And I said, you know what? I got to go up there and do this and save myself from this issue that's this impending doom. Yes. Yes. And, and that's where that's where that's where the Christian world is. No. That is a big elephant in the room. No. And that's why they can't they can't hear they can't hear this message. Yeah. But this message this message is not for old people. <clears throat> let me let me let me let me rehearse in your mind. Mashe sent out a group of men to reconquer the land that the Most High said He was going to give to them. Yeah, I'm going to give you this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to give you this. And now you've gone out, spied it out, and you've come, and 10 of you have come back, scared, scared the bejesus out of you, and said, oh, we're, we're not able to take the land. There are giants in the land, mm -hmm. and, and this and that, and we're not able. The most I said, okay, fine. Didn't I tell you that I was going to give you the land? Mm-hmm. It's now, promised to you in a covenant? In a covenant. Now, since... You have put fear in the hearts of the rest of Israel. All of you that are at the age of 40, when you turn 40 and are at the age of 40, you will die in this wilderness. Mm. And everybody whose birthday arrived in the wilderness at 40 died in the wilderness. Yep, they did not make it. So that tells me by text that nobody 40 and older, except for Mashe. Mashe and possibly Yahashua. Uh, Yahashua. And his family, whatever. And his family, yeah. Yep. Caleb was a young man. Yep, Caleb was in, Caleb made it. Yeah. I think there was the only, matter of fact, the only two that made it there was Caleb and Yahashua from the old guard. Everybody else was was. 39 and younger. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. There was a young group of people. It was young people that he took yeah. into the promised land. So now, if we think about that in context, the Most High is concerned about young people. Mm -hmm. Which again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow my own so far. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to sound it. I got to sound my so far. I had made mention um, in uh, one of the teachings as I, this last week because I gave accolades to my son because he had turned 16. And uh, again, as I was praying over him on his 16th birthday, we, I made mention and birthed into the atmosphere. I said, I'm realizing now, Most High, that with my son, this is a generation that it knows nothing of the old ways where we came from. And this, this is a start of a new generation moving forward because the text does say that these curses will be upon you to the third and fourth generation. So at very best, my sons will be the start of a new generation that'll happen. And not that they still won't have those curses upon them because they will, but it will be further on down the line in their descendancy. What we're trying to work towards is getting a generation, just like it says in text, that, hey, there rose a generation that knew, knew nothing, nothing of Joseph. It. Yes. Yes. They didn't know. It took one generation and they were just like, who is this dude? Right. So I'm saying the same thing too. Even with the generations that are in this house, they know nothing of JC. They know nothing of the old ways. So... I'm saying it's very promising that we could see if we continue. That's another thing. That's why it's been heavy on my mind. And this is kind of an off topic issue. But in order to cultivate a generation of people, what we've got to do as teachers and leaders is cultivate relationships. So they know how to function under the auspices of the most high, because what I'm continuing to keep hearing glaring in my head all the time is how relationships are being inundated with this westernized culture that are diametrically opposed to what the Most High had. And I had brought it up before in the last, last Shabbat. I said, you know, for the reason for the black church is for, this, for the, the issue of coping with the stress that we have here. Because if it had not been, if the Most High's word had been instantiated for melanated people, do you honestly believe that we would still have these issues that we're having today? And the answer is emphatically no. Because there's nothing in our text that says, if you were in the land, you were, we were in Hebrew Israel, I'm in Hebrew Israel, and you're a foreigner, and you're coming in there. Is there anything that's in that text, our laws, Honorable Robert B. Holman Jr., that says that I'm supposed to make legislation to ostracize the foreigner? No. But they do it here. I know. They make Jim Crow laws. Yeah. They're even trying to bring them back to try to legislate you out. Right. That does not happen in Hebrew Israel. No. We are to accept the foreigner right. as they join with us. So all these things that we have instantiated here, and I'm, I'm going around Robert's Red Barn with that one, just to come back to my, to my point, which is we can start in our generation. If we don't see anything else, we never get to see the land. If we never see the turn of our people, what we can see is another generation coming behind us that is totally inundated with the Most High and not of anything else. And that's very promising to say that we have instantiated in the hearts and the minds of people the ways of the Most High, that they know nothing of this pagan idolatry that's out here. 
that the turn can actually happen and we can have an effect and make change in people's lives and have it be effective. But again, in order to get that beat into people's head, we're going to have to start, or at least, at least in my mind's eye, working on how these relationships work and how to build families underneath the umbrella of the Most Highest Mitzvot and have that be something functional and wholesome and rich and enriching and, 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 and edifying for our community. Right. Say, when I look at Hebrew Israel and I look at them, I see families. I see the nuclear family there. I see growth. I see strength. I see the man taking his proper place. I see the woman in her proper place. Can't say that you're a good woman at all or a good man unless you have the proper support. You can't be a good woman or a good mother or a good father if you don't have the support from the other person. I can't say I'm a good father if I don't have a good mother that's helping me raise these children because that means that I have some time I got to be mom to these kids instead of being 100% dad all the time. So it's those kinds of things that I guess that are just on my mind moving forward as we as, as I'm progressing and I'm growing in the text, it's like, what are the immediate needs of our people? And if I don't see anything else in just trying to teach the mitzvot, what my mind, again, my mind's eye, it's relationships, cultivating the nuclear family so we can have strength in the future and not be so disjointed. Somebody say something about, oh, we're going to switch to uh, uh, or change something that we're doing to get back in line with the most high and it hurts somebody's feelings and they out of here. You know, these are all types of touchy feeling type of things. We got to build a strong community of people that are built on the most high. I'm sorry. I pontificated a little bit too long again. No, you didn't. <laughs> but that, that was, that was, that was good. <laughs> That was good because that's real. That's real. Um, you know, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Uh, and I think that we're close, we're close to embarking on teachings that will embrace that particular thought and that particular idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if we look at the political, the political arena, the political arena in itself, its, it's heart pulse is wanting uh, a government that is relational is a, that is relational to the family. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what this political arena that we live in. That's what their heart desire is. Mm -hmm. But that part of their heart desire is uh, being eaten up by termites. Right. <laughs> I like the way you put that. You know, yeah. the uh -huh. foundation, the foundation yeah. that that idea is built, has been built on is eroding, is being eroded away mm -hmm. by termites, by political termites. Mm -hmm. But in the heart of the American people as a whole, the American people as a whole want a government that's going to be, going to be germane to, to the family mm -hmm. and the family unit. Mm-hmm. We live in a we live in a dual society. We live in a democratic society, and we live in a monotheist a monotheistic society yes. with the Most High. Mm -hmm. The Most High's complete idea, completely, is about a, a family unit. Yeah, 
wholeheartedly. A family unit that's built around him being the cornerstone yes. of that family and his teachings being the way of that cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And I think that you and I uh, have reached a point in teaching. We've taught the mitzvot, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Torah for Hebrews in exile uh, should be out by the end of this, by the end of October, if not earlier, mm-hmm. uh, with all the mitzvot that are germane to our our, our our time in this exile and uh i'm i'm not going to i mean i'm teaching through isaiah starting in chapter 40 i've got i've got a long way to go to get to 66 <laughs> yeah and i think that somewhere in between there we may break that off mm-hmm. and you and i uh will start teaching about a family unit yeah yeah, I mean, you, macro down to a micro level, just piggybacking on what you're saying. It's it's just all one group. When we look at the most high as the head, it's a family unit. When you look at the mitzvot, how they've been put together, it's a community. The community breaks down into the family unit. And it's it's that's how everything is structured. But it's going to be... A good teaching. I mean, you mentioned the book. I can't wait to actually get that book out so I can actually start referencing it in my teachings. Actually, when it comes up, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a good thing. But I I I echo what you're saying. Well, we've had a good conversation this evening. Yeah. And I think that understanding the dynamics of this exile and as I said to you on on the Shabbat, I'm on. Uh, um, the Day of Atonement meeting, we might as well get comfortable and do yeah. something that the text, that the other text says, occupy. Mm-hmm. We might as well occupy and be comfortable and uh, walk in the ways and the teachings of the Most High and recognize that matriculating out of this land and going back to the land is probably something that you and I won't see. Right. In our lifetime. Right. But our job is like the prophets, and that is to put the the ideas and put the proper teaching into the hearts and minds of those who have an ear to hear, so that your expectations and your hopes are built upon a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. This has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. This has been Hebrews Hebrews in in exile. exile. Shalom. Shalom.